For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. You've made it. The weekend is upon you, and your reward is a whole bunch of really good football. We'll be talking about uh, that for the Buffaloes as well. Nate Lundy will join us to look ahead at some of the uh, bets that you can make uh, now the week one's upon us, some of the ideas there, things are maybe uh, find the values, and then at the top of the next hour, Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado will join us to preview the bus, but we'll start with the Denver Broncos and specifically, Sandy, about the, I guess we'll consider it a surprise. I don't consider it much of a surprise that at least while Baron Browning is out, the op, the linebacker starting opposite of Randy Gregory will be Jonathan Cooper, the former seventh round pick out of Ohio state that we've talked about before at the time he had a heart issue and uh, was able to have an ablation uh, procedure for that, that, that has been gotten him better ever since Cooper's talent probably married him to be a third round pick. And the concerns about that dropped him all the way to the seventh. All he's done since he's joined the Denver Broncos has looked really, really good. He's looked great uh, in camp. He's looked great in the preseason and I don't find it a shock unless, of course, you really kind of bought into the Broncos thought that Frank Clark was a linebacker because somebody had to start opposite of Randy Gregory. And it was basically going to be either Cooper or Nick Benito. And Cooper is the steadier guy, if not the more spectacular one. Well, he's definitely the steadier guy. Uh, He's played more here, obviously, than Benito has. And we both like Jonathan Cooper. Our first impressions are very right. favorable, and I continue to like him. I know there's some who believe he will be the sack leader this year for the Denver Rockets. I'm not sure he won't be. I, it's it's look, Put it this way, at least given recent history, we've talked about it. The bar is not very high for the Broncos as it stands right now. Their top three sack guys are gone. Did, did, did you realize that it's been over the last four years a matter in which the Broncos have not had a single pass rusher get the 10 sacks mm. in the last four years. Five years ago, uh, <laughs> which compared to right now might be the good old days. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 oh, I, I'm, I'm being God. somewhat facetious oh. uh, with that. But Killing me. that Vaughn Miller had in 2018, 14 and a half sacks, and Bradley Chubb had 12. Right. And that was going to be the pass rushing duo of the next decade or so. It never uh, depending on the length of Miller's career, Chubb uh, was going to be around for 10 to 12 years. 
And you remember following the 2018 season, the Broncos fired Vance Joseph, hired Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio, at his initial press conference, essentially expressed his love for Bradley Chubb and his suspicions regarding Vaughn Miller that Vaughn Miller had not reached the height of his powers yet, which I think in some ways came as news to Vaughn Miller, although Vaughn Miller said at the time that he appreciated being pushed. Uh, I don't think there's much doubt that the uh, current defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins preferred Chubb, at least for the future, than he did Miller. Mm -hmm. He thought Chubb would be the more effective player over a longer period of time, and Chubb was going to be his Khalil Mack. Remember Khalil Mack in Chicago, of course. Uh, Yes. That played for Vic Fangio and and was still in his prime and performing well, and it seemed like Fangio felt more strongly that Chubb could be that guy as opposed to Vaughn but in Miller, the meantime, although that, Miller had more sacks the previous year. The previous year, by the way, Shaq Barrett was on that team. He was the number right. three guy in sacks, although yeah. it was only with three. Yeah. But, uh, but, but uh, you know, you, you know had two guys went. with 26 and a half, and the expectation became, hey, uh, 30 is the baseline yeah. for combined never sacks for close. these two guys. And, of course, it never happened because Chubb got hurt, and then Miller got hurt, and then Miller uh, left, and Chubb was dealt last year. And all that promise never materialized. And of all the events that have transpired here, all of the hope, I don't think there was anything more hopeful than the combination of Miller and Chubb going at least five or six years beyond 2018 as a tandem and setting all kinds of records, at least franchise records, as a sack combination that would smash anything Carl Mecklenburg and Simon Fletcher, for example, had done together in the 1980s. And it was also, let's face it, designed to cover for the fact, post-Super Bowl, the quarterbacks were going to be hard to find. The idea was, you won the Super Bowl with this outstanding, aggressive defense. We'll continue with that, and the Case Keenums and the, the Joe Flacco's and the Teddy Bridgewater's of the world will be enough to get us by. It never materialized because of injuries, and the Broncos have had blips. They've had moments. Uh, Malik Reed had eight sacks, and then he led the team uh, back in 2020, and, of course, he's not there. So there's there's been guys that have popped up from time to time. Shelby Harris led the team in 2021, but only with six. Uh, Malik Reed behind him with, with five. And so even as we've talked about before, uh, last year, when you look at sacks, Draymond Jones with six and a half led the team. Uh, he's gone. Chubb is gone. Browning is on the pup list with five. Deshaun Williams is gone. He had four and a half. That leaves Josie Jewell. And right behind him, Jonathan Cooper tied with DJ yeah. Jones and Randy Gregory. We each had a grand total of two sacks. So I, I guess my point is I'm suspicious of people being cast in the role or roles of primary pass rushers because – it was a sure thing with Miller and Chubb. Miller was probably so. playing the back nine at that point, although Vaughn Miller, I must confess, has been a much better football player when healthy, which, of course, at the present time he is not in Buffalo. But Vaughn Miller 
was much better with the Rams than I imagined he would be. I, I saw him as kind of a specialist, a pass rushing specialist, and particularly during the postseason run to the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl win, Miller was a lot more than a specialist. And now in Buffalo, the idea, which is on hold for the moment because he can't play, but the idea last year certainly, and I'm sure it is still the idea, is to save him as much as possible over the first three quarters of any given game so he can play a lot in the fourth quarter and in more general terms, make sure you don't burn him out during the regular season so you have a fresh player for the playoffs. Sort of the way it turned out here with DeMarcus Ware, although I I don't know that it was anything except injuries that prevented Ware from playing a fairly regular role, but but there were injuries, and the good thing about it was that even though he was not physically 100% for the playoffs in 2015, he was close enough to be a major pass rushing factor for the Broncos and part of, I think, the greatest postseason defensive performance we've ever seen by a single team. And I'm not saying the 85 Bears weren't great or the 2000 Ravens or the 2002 Bucks, uh, but the 2015 Broncos in the postseason went up against Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, future Hall of Famer, and Cam Newton, they released away, in MVP. 2015, was the most valuable player in the NFL, and they became increasingly effective as the playoffs wore on. They were better against Brady than they had been against Roethlisberger, and they were much better against Newton than they had been even against Brady, uh, beating all three of them. And you could not talk about three more different the quarterbacks in, in style of play. I mean, these, these three guys were so wildly different. And they began the process, which continued on opening day or opening night the following year in 2016 when they were rematched with Carolina here in Denver, of ruining Cam Newton's career. He was beaten up so severely in those two games, he was never, he was never the close same. to being the same quarterback after that. You're not wrong. After those two games, the Super Bowl that followed the 2015 season, Super Bowl 50, and opening night the following year, those two games ruined Ken Newton. They essentially football career. did. And when he we're was talking never about a guy that was the MVP, MVP on a 15-1 and one team. And, and it rush, was a team of the future. Yeah. Even after losing, in that Super Bowl, the idea was that they would at least be back as contenders for another Super Bowl. They went 15-1, and the team wasn't aging. No, and it most just of it shows stars it's were, yeah. one of the great examples Those in windows. sports that windows close. That's why I'm looking at you, Buffalo fast. Bills. I, I, I'm, they, they that's they that's the team I look at, and they I'm like, I, I'm not sure it hasn't closed for them. We will find out. The... We watched the Kansas City Chiefs last night. I, I caution people, don't read too much into that, except we, what we saw, what we were interested in seeing. Uh, the Lions are going to be a tough out for a lot of people. And I mentioned before that Jared Goff had come into that game with a 324 pass, uh, pass attempt streak without throwing an interception. And that was going to be a significant part of of the the Lions year that very quietly 
and it's, he snuck under a lot of people's radar. Again, Jared Goff is uh, not an elite quarterback, but he is a very good one. And on a good team, he can do some stuff. 22 for 35, 253 yards, a touchdown. But again, uh, you can you can add to that right there. He started with 324. That's 35 more. It's 359, if my math is correct. Puts him definitely within shouting distance of that 408, which is the NFL record by Aaron Rodgers. And uh, the Broncos fans who were crowing this morning about, oh, see, the Chiefs are vulnerable. To an extent. They didn't have Travis Kelsey. Well, they're not unbeatable, but I think we knew they weren't unbeatable right. before the game last Here's night. Here's the thing, Sandy, though. If their receivers did not have my hands, they win well, the game I, easily. I, I think Tony just easily. dropped another pass as yeah, I was between. entering the studio. Yeah. Here. It, yeah. I, I mean, it was his, ridiculous. His keys on the it way to the car. The I mean, everything. Ridiculous. Yeah. They're ridiculous. The they number dropped of so drops. many passes. Yeah, Tony had the worst of it, but I mean, virtually everybody out there for the Chiefs Dropped a pass. I mean, it was just a, a disaster, and you don't expect especially that's happen in the second again. half. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought the first half. My impressions of the first half and watching it were that one Mahomes is amazing because he seemed to be surviving, if not flourishing, even without Kelsey in the lineup. And that's the first fact, game he's the ever other played tight end without right, Kelsey. The other tight end, Noah Gray, yep, played well, uh, at least in the first half. And it's 14 to 7 at halftime, and you're thinking, boy, Detroit faked a punt deep in its own territory and and made good on it. Uh, good for Dan Campbell. And they end up taking the lead 7 to nothing. But Kansas City bounces back, and you're thinking, it's Kansas City's game. And then there's that interception uh, that, again, represented more or less a drop that deflected into the hands of a Lions defender right. who took it back for a pick six, and it turned the whole temperature of the room upside down. And the, the Chiefs got a little tight, at least their younger players did, because they continued to drop passes. And there was some very, very strange decision-making by Kansas City yeah. at the end of that game. Going forward on fourth and 25, 25. made no sense to me whatsoever not that they would have been able to win the game anyway but all you need is a field goal they, they also and, ran a they ran a sweep uh, yeah, uh, a receiver it, it sweep on third and and third and they, it, one they 32 themselves, some weird choices there. I, I said I had a couple of impressions and i was impressed with detroit even in the first half i was impressed with detroit now i think that mahomes is the star of the first half anyway but i was impressed with detroit and in particular, I was impressed that their offensive line is pretty good, and Kansas City didn't have Chris Jones. But still, it you know, Spagnuolo blitzes a lot, and they were coming with a lot of different looks, and I thought Goff looked poised, even in the Wait, first half. Poised is right. And then in the third quarter, they get a defensive touchdown, and – you know, Kansas City kicks a couple of field goals. It's twenty to fourteen, Kansas City in the fourth. But, but Goff and uh, the running backs, particularly the offensive line protecting him, and having a fourth quarter pass rush that was better than Kansas City's fourth quarter pass rush. The Lions were the better team last night. If you weren't going on reputation, uh, I don't know. I it, it, maybe even if you were. Uh, going on reputation, the 
the Lions looked like the better team. And winning eight of its last ten games for Detroit didn't look like a fluke last no. night. It looked like they were picking up where they left off when they went into Lambeau and beat the Packers, and they came within a hair of making the playoffs last year. Winning in Lambeau in most years would be good enough to get you in when you've won seven of your previous nine, and that makes it eight out of ten to close out a season. That would be good enough most years. Last year it wasn't. Listen, this year, to me right now, it's pretty clear they're the team to beat. In the NFC, I like North. I like the uh, the, the rushing team. combination of Montgomery and Gibbs. I think yeah, you get a you get a power back, Gibbs. you get a speed I, I guy. I, there's a, we know about Amon Ross St. Brown. I think who is yes. has more than proved that that is yeah. not a fluke. That yeah. he is for real. He, he's for real. Uh, Josh Reynolds is one of those guys I think you watch out for who might be that. I remember, he was expected to maybe turn into a star with the Rams, and it didn't quite work out. Now he's he's with the Lions, and it seems to maybe be clicking a little bit. Uh, for for Josh Reynolds, so there's a lot of talent right, there, and they, and they have a terrific coaching staff. I mean, Campbell's the CEO kind of head coach in charge of exhortation, as we talked yeah. about with CEO uh, head coaches. And I thought he gave a great line that I guess went viral after the game when uh, somebody asked him, "What did you learn about your team tonight?" And he said, "Not a thing. It reinforced what I already knew." Uh, number one draft pick, of course, uh, it, or number two, pardon me, number two draft pick overall, Aiden Hutchinson. He's uh, last year. He is. He's, he's a game, fantastic. He's a game wrecker. Uh, th- basically, Juwan Taylor. Even was, in the first, Juwan Taylor was he having like he was to the break game. the rules in in order to barely hold him off. And by then, the way, he was lined up. Yeah. Yes. He and, definitely um, broke the rules. And I that was the only thing that's that Detroit get, didn't do. It's going to get. And I'm saying, well, why don't you you remind an official, official that he's lining up illegally every time, yeah. not just once in a while. Every time he's lining up illegally. But apart from that, listen, Hutchinson. Even when the guy was lining up illegally, uh, was still was still beating. Yeah, he's he's dangerous. So for the the Broncos, look, this is the this is what's going to have to happen if they're going to make a run for the playoffs. Occasionally, you're going to have to get lucky, and lucky when the schedule breaks down. And and the Chiefs lost a game they should have won. Yes, uh, the Chiefs even without Kelsey right Jones, now, they the should Chiefs have won. Should not be your target if you're the Broncos. Don't even worry about what they're doing. Go get wins. That's but right. you know what? If the Chiefs mess up here and there. Somebody's going to have to because we've broken down the idea of making the playoffs and we've looked at this from last year. There are a handful of teams the Broncos have to jump to even get into that wild card consideration. Some of them are going to have to basically drop games on their own. That's the reality. And and they the Broncos got a favor. Uh, they did get a favor, but they've got to do, as you they've suggest, got to do they've some got favors to do. for themselves. Right. That, and yes. one of those favors is taking a record that over the last seven years in the AFC West, has been nothing short of disgraceful. 12 and 30, That's and that includes 8 and 6 against the Chargers. 0 and 14 against the Chiefs. Now, the losing streak is 15 because it went back to the last game the two teams played in 2015, right. Super Bowl year. Against the Raiders, 4 and 10 with six straight losses. And you look at that record, 12 and 30, that would work out if they were doing nothing over 17 games except playing AFC West teams. That percentage would work out to 5-12. and 12. All right? They are 32-40 and 40 
outside of the AFC West over the last seven years. Not real good, but that's better than their forty-four. Right, better than their division record. And if you take their last one hundred four games against everybody, including those in the AFC West, they're thirty-seven and sixty-seven. Josh McDaniels has a career coaching win percentage that's much better than that. The Colorado Rockies, who are going to lose at their present pace 103 baseball games this year, are currently 51 and 88. That's a winning percentage more than 10 percentage points better than what the Broncos have done in the last 104 games. That's how bad this team has been. And it isn't so much they've been bad outside the division. The division record is killing them. 2016, two and four, 17, two and four, 18, two and four, 19, three and three. The last three years, one and five, one and five, one and five. It is, it is not a football Friday. Are you kidding? There's Buffs and Huskers and then Broncos and Raiders. It's the football Friday. A few of you may be interested in, uh, you know, grabbing one of the apps on your phone and doing a little something, something. As the CEO of My Life Sports and our uh, betting expert extraordinaire, Nate Lundy. Join us next. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. It is a football Friday. Always great to have our next guest, even if you really have to mind your P's and Q's because he's the boss. You've got to be careful when you bring your boss on air. The boss uh, of what? <laughs> Mile High Sports. Nate Lundy that, joins us. That's the Ed Werder question, right? <laughs> yeah. And Dion of, said, of what? do you believe? Yeah. Ed Werder's reply was, in what? Follow Nate on Twitter, at Nate Lundy, of course, uh, especially for all your uh, your betting news. And, Nate, we wanted to bring you in on a Friday. Hopefully you get to do this more often. Looking at bets this weekend, I said before you came in, it's not a football Friday. It's the football Friday of the Broncos and their mm-hmm. opening game against the Raiders. You have uh, the Buffaloes and the Huskers as the, the college game of the week across the nation. The attention is very high. I'm happy I got the Buffs' nine-point underdogs a few weeks back because I had a little more faith or I was betting with my heart, one of the two. But regardless, uh, I love that one. That's not what they are anymore. How are you looking at this game? Um, Actually, I'm taking the game, um, and I'm doing something that is pretty common for me to do with college football, um, and in fact, even with the NFL. The um, You talked about where the line is at. Um Look, uh, Nebraska's defense is not TCU's defense um, because TCU's (laughs) defense uh, is a wet Kleenex. So I think this game is going to wind up staying closer. So what I've actually done is taken um, Nebraska on an alt line up to plus seven and a half. I think the Huskers keep this within a touchdown. I really do. Um, I think CU's got a very, very good chance of winning the game, but I think Nebraska will keep it close. They have a better defense than TCU does, um, first and foremost. Um, and then what I did, because when you do that, obviously you, you, you're paying for it, right? The juice goes through the roof. Um, and so what I've done is I paired that up with, um, probably a team that none of you have heard of. Um, and the reason for that is lost in everything of, you know, Dion and Ed Werder last week, uh, Texas state went to Waco and beat Baylor. Yes. I mean, the Bobcats, what they beat Baylor. I gotta be honest. I don't even know where Texas state is. 
San Marcos. Besides Texas. I don't know where um, San Marcos is. It helps me in no so, way, shape, or form. So Texas State went into Waco and beat Baylor. Texas State is now going to make the very short drive to the Alamo City, and they're going to take on the Roadrunners of UTSA. So I've taken Texas State, who is an underdog by, I want to say it's 13 and a half. And I bumped that number up to plus 17 and a half. You just beat Baylor. Chances are you can stay pretty close with UTSA because you're still on the road. You've got some confidence. So I took Texas, as I said, I took Nebraska up to plus seven and a half. I took Texas State to plus 17 and a half. And I paired those two together. And, on, uh, and I managed to get that at almost plus 120 odds, plus 118. So it puts me in positive territory by taking an alt line on games that I think are going to be close, but I'm buying myself a cushion. In the case of Texas State, I'm buying myself a four-point cushion. Same thing is what I did with Nebraska. The one thing that I took note of, and I'm not sure it plays into your considerations at all, Nebraska had 181 yards rushing at Minnesota, 4.9 yards per carry. The quarterback clearly can't throw, but he's not a bad runner. They only gave up 55 rushing yards. CU allowed 262 yards on the ground at TCU and gained only 55 yards. Now, I I say that knowing that all the sack yardage sure. goes off the rushing figures, so it's a little misleading. CU wasn't as bad running the ball as the stats might look like. And they did have 565 yards in total offense. But off last week, you'd think on the ground, if the game is close, yes. Nebraska has a pretty big advantage. And if CU has a weakness, it's that the yes. front seven is hardly exceptional. Oh, absolutely. Um, like you know, For example, if you take those two numbers, I'll, I'll correlate it together. You guys know that I'm an Oregon State grad and I'm an Oregon State right. fan. Uh, and Oregon State has one of the best running backs in the nation um, in, Damian, in Damian Martinez. Right. He's great. Number if, six. If CU doesn't figure it out by the time the Beavers come to Boulder, Oregon State's going to run all over them. Oh, they'll have 200-plus yards right. And so, to your point, Sandy, it, it, correlating what you just said with the betting side of it, which is how I tend to look at, at almost everything, um, it's why I lean to the under in this game of 59-and-a-half. Right. Because I, I if, I'm, agree more. if I'm Matt Rule, Take the under. I want to keep Shador yeah. Sanders off the field. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure. And the best way to do that is to run clock. I yes. think it's going to be I, – I, I believe it's going to be a game that leans to the under. That's another one that you can alt if you want to. You could take that 59, jump it up by a touchdown, take it to 66.5 if you want to, and then play the under. Right. Um, but I believe that from a game plan standpoint, you know, I mean, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but if I'm Nebraska, I want to keep Sanders off the field yeah. as much as I can. And to do that, you want to run clock. It's no different than what we said for two decades about Tom Brady, right? Try mm -hmm. to run the ball as best you can against the Pats slash Bucks and keep him off the field as much as you possibly can. So that's how I'm looking at it. Now, I will also say this. In full disclosure, on the spreadsheet of my picks that I have up on Twitter, at Nate Lundy, I was 0-4 last Saturday, okay? I missed all, <laughs> I missed all four of my well, main picks that I did. Now, I did I did a lot of bets last week, um, but the four that I featured on the spreadsheet, I actually went 0-4. That tends to happen here early in right. the college season. Yeah. And it's also something that translates to Sunday for NFL betting. Be very yes. careful, folks, uh, yes. because there are things that change. You've got coordinators in new positions. You've got players in new positions. You've got injuries. All of those kinds of things factor in. I tend to be relatively light for the first week or two of every season. We could talk about the MLB. We can talk about the NHL. We can yeah. talk about any of them. you got to get a feel for what these guys are. Because right. so many things have changed, right? Now, there are some fun 
things that are out there. And I want to give you, uh, I'm going to post this one on social media coming up later this afternoon, so I'll share it with you guys. I shared it on the podcast this morning with our good friend Brad Evans. I found a bet that I absolutely can't resist for tomorrow. It is juiced to minus 130, um, but the team total for the fighting David Lettermans of Ball State, who are taking on Georgia, is over under three and a half. That's it. Okay? Hmm. As good as Georgia is, as good as Georgia is, Georgia has allowed at least six points to their opponent in nine straight games. You actually have to go back to last October 15th in a game against Vanderbilt that they won 55 to nothing. The reason I lean that way is because this is Georgia versus Ball State. Chances are there's going to be a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing by the time we get to the fourth quarter. (laughs) So give me the the random odds that ball state can find a way to either get down there and kick a couple of field goals or maybe score a touchdown late in the fourth quarter and wind up covering. They did put 14 points on the board last week against Kentucky. Now Kentucky is not Georgia. I understand that, but that's actually my favorite bet for tomorrow. I just need ball state to score at least four points. All right. Ball State, Ball State, Texas State, man, get creative. Look, but but in betting, that's what you have to find, right? Right. Sure. There is, um, depending upon which book you listen to, the number is either three x or four x. Okay, I'm going to go with three x. There is three times more money on the Colorado Nebraska game tomorrow than any other college game on the schedule. Wow, isn't that amazing? There is also more money on CU Nebraska tomorrow than there is on any remaining NFL game this weekend. That part is remarkable. And actually, I'm, I'm just even away from the betting. I kind of want to bring that up because I wanted to talk about that with Sandy, too. But here we are on the Friday before the Broncos opened their season. And I had I had to text Sandy during the day and ask, we start with Broncos or Buffs because I'm not sure what the bigger well, story. And, and when's the last time it's been opening weekend for the Broncos and you could make a legitimate argument? They're not the story. I, I think the, they're not the story in town. But the reason we led with with football, the professional game, is because there was a game last night. It's sure. there for some reason had not been a Thursday night NFL game last night. I would have been tempted to leave with CU. I think it's a bigger story as of right now. Um, it'll get a lot more eyeballs. Uh, if, it, if it's they a national game. Raiders Broncos ain't a national uh, game. No, no. Uh, it, it, this is a national game identical to CUTC last week. Same network, same game time start. The audience is going to be same bigger. Crew, bigger. And it'll be bigger than the 7.263 million they yep. drew. Which last was the week. second biggest they'll, of any game. Draw. The only other one was Sunday's right. game, in which it was the it only was one in town. Sunday night game. Yeah. But but that only game in town. It's just remarkable. But to me, the the other thing is that could you have imagined even after Dion was hired, I, you knew the home opener against Nebraska would be a big deal. Absolutely. But you might get ten to twelve million eyeballs. Yes. On that game, there's a chance it, because of what CU did last week that more people will watch this week, even though they're playing. A supposedly, 
yes. inferior team. Oh, exactly. And I think the other thing that you that you look at when it comes to that game, like make the comparison. You talk, Sean, about the way that we look at it from within this market. Here's the other thing that you that, that a lot of folks have talked about. It costs three times more money for the cheapest ticket in Boulder tomorrow than it does to get into Broncos Raiders yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It is three That's oh, a much hotter ticket. To oh, get into Folsom mm-hmm. than it is to get into Empower on Sunday. That's that, that's that's remarkable, and it, and again I'm I, I, tying it back to the betting side of things. It's why I say, for the most part, tomorrow I did that alt line that I shared with you. That's it. That's the only bet I'm going to do on that game because I just want to watch it and enjoy it oh, because sure. I think it's going to be a great game, um, and, and I think it's going to be competitive and I think it's going to be fun. So I'm just looking forward to being able to watch it. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I I lost my hide last night because of Kansas City. Me too. It happens. Oh, everybody. well. And look, I, <laughs> look, I mean, Sky Moore was a no show. That's actually one of the only things I missed was I just needed well, Sky Moore to make some yardage for us. But we, we were saying ten minutes ago as I walked into the studio, Tony dropped another pass. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it just it, that was awful. It was one, yeah, that was terrible. It, it really. But Sky Moore, really it, it just shows you how much Kelsey means, and he means a lot more than Jones. Mm-hmm. A lot more than Jones because they were okay defensively. It looked to me like they the receivers were, not okay were pressing to cut. Oh, I think they knew absolutely. that they had to replace absolutely. Kelsey, and they, they were. It was. It absolutely. was. It was ugly. Coming into this NFL weekend, obviously, same thing like you talked about. Preseason doesn't really mean anything. We have to get an idea of what these these teams are going to do in week one, so you be a little cautious. But is there anything that stands out for you? Um, yeah, a couple of things, and some of them have actually moved over the course of this week. One of the things that we see, we see it in the NBA um, in particular. Um, but we do see it in the NFL to a smaller extent. And that is when rookies come in um, to the league, especially first rounders at skill positions, um, the first week and sometimes the first two weeks, um, you know, the odds makers don't have the same kind of algorithms and things to make the predictions that they do on the guys that have been in the league for a while. So let right. me give you an example. Um, the guy that um, a lot of people think is going to be absolutely um, spectacular, could be in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year, all these kinds of – you talk about a, a guy like Bijan Robinson. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Atlanta is going to be a run-first team. They just are. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, look at, that's look at who the they head have. coach. Look at, look at who they have. Look who they have as, as their talent. Look at who they have They're as a coach. A quarterback. So, yes. So, But at the beginning of this week – um, right around Wednesday is usually when the player props start to drop for the Sunday games. Usually on Tuesday, they start to drop for Thursday, unless you have some questionable players, things like that, that they're waiting on the status of. Um, it's kind of like baseball. When somebody doesn't announce their starting pitcher, you have to wait for a while because they're not going to post props and lines until they know who it is. Same thing with the NFL. So what happens is you take a guy like Bijan. So at the beginning of this week, when the stat first came out, his over under on his rushing attempts was at 13 and a half. What? Wow. It steamed to 15 and a half very quickly because everybody was slamming the over sure. on the 13 and a half. Yeah. He's the centerpiece of their offense. And so the thing is, <laughs> I, mean, I absolutely loved the number at, 15, at 13 and a half. And I have to be honest, I still like it, still like it at, at 15, 15 and a half, even the way it's steamed up, just because I think their whole goal, I think that what the Falcons are going to do is figure out how to not put too much pressure on oh, their sure. quarterback exactly to start right. with. And the best way to do that is to try to do simple dump off things or get your running game going. And that's exactly what the coaching staff wants to do. That's exactly what their talent is. So when you go into week one in the NFL, as I said, I tend to tread a little bit lightly. Um, and it's not that I'm not going to probably wind up with 15 or 20 bets by the time we get to Sunday morning. But 
in some cases you'll see, and you'll see these kinds of things on the spreadsheet, you're going to wind up seeing there's going to be times where I'm going to throw a half a unit bet on something instead of a full unit. Right. And that's what I mean by sort of treading into the water lightly, recognizing that the beginning of the season is always a bit of an oddity. Let me give you a theory that I've heard advanced this week for those in suicide mm-hmm. pools. For at least the first five or six weeks, take whoever's playing the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Does that make sense to you? Right now, yes. Um, I mean, if if you want to make a bet on who's going to have the number one draft pick next April, <laughs> put it on Arizona. It's Arizona. Yeah. I mean, they're a mess. Um, and I don't think they care that they're a mess. Nope. They, are, they, they don't seem happy. to. I think they'd like to extricate yeah. themselves from the Kyler Murray situation. I, I'm thinking possible. Kyler Murray may not play at all. I don't he may not. I don't sure. think he'll play. He all may year. not. Uh, this this may be a complete setup. This may be the equivalent of suck for luck. It mm-hmm. may be all of yeah, them. Yeah, I, I think, think so. They, I think that's exactly what they're or doing. Or stink for Shadur. Yeah. Or yeah. or for Caleb or for you know whomever. There's a lot of guys out there that they could go with and probably be a lot happier than they are with Kyler. So, so yes, I think in in survivor pools, suicide pools, depending upon what you want to call them, um, yes, you can look at things like that. Let me find the team that's playing the team that I think is the worst. We used to do that to Jacksonville, by the way, um, who, Whoa. who, by the way, I would not be shocked at all if the Chiefs are 0-2 in 10 days because that's their next they game go is on the road Jacksonville. in Jacksonville. That's and that Jacksonville game. team is good. Um, so, you know, Sandy, I think you're, I think you're right. I think when you're doing survivor pools, like I was given a free entry from one of the books into their survivor pool and I'm like, well, who do I pick? And I'll, and I'll decide Sunday morning, but, um, but I'm leaning that way. Like, let me just find whoever's going to be, um, going to be taking on Arizona. So, um, let me give you another fun stat because there's a number of these games on the schedule for this weekend because of how they've done it. Um, and this is, I, I got this from, um, uh, from CBS Sportsline, um, and I wish I could remember which one of the writers had done it because I'd like to give him credit, but I got it from CBS Sportsline. If you take week one divisional matchups, okay, week one divisional matchups in the last 10 seasons, okay, so not everything's a divisional matchup. Obviously, the Broncos have one this weekend, but if you take the last 10 years when there have been divisional matchups in week one, the underdogs have covered 72% of the time. Hmm. Well, that's, that's a large That is number. a massive stat. Folks, anything above oh, upper yeah. 50s or 60% right. Right. is you, beyond you just a lean. That. That's an yeah. edge. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that I have um, a ton of confidence in all of the different matchups. Because, for example, the Bengals are playing uh, the, the Browns. Browns. Right. Um, the Broncos have the Raiders. The one, though, that I think that if I were going to bet this trend on Sunday, I'm looking at Sunday night football and I'm taking the Giants plus three and a half. I like that too. At home against the Cowboys, I I believe that the Giants will cover and that they will continue to fall into that particular trend. Because if you look across the schedule, Carolina's playing Atlanta, Cincinnati's playing Cleveland, Jacksonville and Indy. Yeah. Um, uh, going down the list. Hold on. Uh, Vegas, uh, Vegas, Green and Denver, Bay, Chicago, Green Bay, Chicago, uh, the Rams and the Seahawks. That's actually the one, by the yeah. way, that I would go the other direction. I don't think the Rams have a, oh, I, no. I, 
I mean, Seattle's not all that good, but the Rams are awful. And they so, don't have Cooper Cup. And they, it's just, Speaking of a guy who may be out for a while. <laughs> they're a mess right now. Um, but that's my favorite. So I'll give you a betting trend. Okay. You study these things. Again, I, I give credit to CBS Sportsline because that's where I got the stat from. Um, but those are the kinds of trends early in the season, Sean, when you've got those question marks right. about a player prop or you've got a question mark about a particular team. Oh, yeah. Try to find trends. Try right. to find things right. that you know seem to apply across the beginning of NFL seasons. And so divisional, that's 10 divisional. years. That, 10 that's years. a lot of. Here's the number. That's not a small sample size. 31, 12, and 2 against the spread yeah. in the last 10 years when you have divisional rivals playing each other in the week one. The underdogs are covering better than two out of three times. You want to make sure you follow Nate Lundy for the latest. As he said, has that all sitting on the, the spreadsheet. You can check it out itself. See his it's picks. all transparent. At Nate Lundy. <laughs> make sure you go uh, give him a follow. And, and of course, check out. Let's go Garrett. Ball State. I Ball just State. need four points. And I learned that Texas State is in San Marcos, but I have no idea where San Marcos is. So, I, yeah, I got Texas State's in Texas. This is what I've learned. So I should have paid closer attention, I guess. But my brain is thinking about, like, taking the buffs in a six and a half points and everything. Go for it. All the way in. We'll talk about that with Justin Adams in a little bit. But we'll talk more about the Broncos opener against the Raiders. Nate, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we can do this regularly as the season goes along. You got it, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Thanks so much, Nate Lundy. Again, at Nate Lundy on Twitter. We'll be back with more next. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Oh, it is Friday. It's a football Friday. It's beautiful outside. There's stuff going on in Boulder tomorrow. It's going to be in Denver on Sunday. Oh, that's exciting. You know, we're repping the uh, the you you have a CSU Rams pull on today. I'm, I yeah, I just thought hat. I'd give some support through my attire to uh, the lowly Rams. I do not think, and I, I you know we take a second to talk about that. I do not think, Sandy, that they are on the wrong track. I think they're on the absolute right track. I think it just takes time. I oh, think I think, I think they have the right coach. Another year. I think so. the recruiting is coming uh, along. I think yeah. they have what they need. It's just not. It's not Deion Sanders where you can no. kind of take all the shortcuts. And that's the funny thing when we've heard about this across the the landscape now that, oh, no, Deion Sanders did this. Every college is going to do this. No, they're not, because yeah. not every coach is going to be able to exactly do that. Right. You well, have to have and, and, and you have to have a unicorn. You have to have a pi- yeah. Piper yeah. unicorn right. of a head coach. And and the truth is well, the, the guys that are like that, they don't need who, to turn who, over their who, rosters. Who is the best example, the anti Deion? In all of big time college coaching, it's it's the guy at Clemson who absolutely hates everything refuses, about the transfers, hates the NILs, hates everything. Right. Refuses to Still deal does with take transfers. A seven, eight million dollar year contract, I think though doesn't even have a problem with that money. I'll just tell you out, what, just out of curiosity, no, no, and he doesn't believe that players should get paid. And right. Obviously, he should get paid, but but, but. he's he's uh, <laughs> you know. Now in coaching, Mike Shanahan told me this a few years ago, and I thought, well, you know, Mike Shanahan says smarter things on a regular basis than I ever dream of saying. But I said, well, I mean, maybe he's exaggerating a little bit. But I, I, I've come to find that he told me this 
seven years ago, and I, I think it's it's probably more true now than it was when he said it. If you're five years behind, you're you might as well be 15, 20, oh, yeah. 25 years behind. You're so far behind. So what Davo Sweeney did in winning two national championships is now wholly irrelevant to the world of college football. But even if he were similarly inclined, he would not be able to do what Deion Sanders does because he doesn't have the personality for it. It's not the way he coaches. At Oregon State, and we just had Nate Lundy in, a proud Oregon State Beaver, by the way. Uh, they're really good. And part of the reason they're really good is, pretty is good. because they're, they're transferred. DJ, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this one. Ugalalele. Yeah, Ui Angalele. Ui Angalele. Ui Angalele. I just need to try that again. I'll replace my brain where I stored Okuwebanam, and I will put Ui Angalele in there. I'll just overwrite that little RAM chip in the brain. Uh, he he's fantastic, and it was kind of interesting because after Double Swinney, you know, talked about uh, the game, uh, his father, the Angeles father, yeah, got on his uh, uh, social media account and, right. and replied to the Swinney uh, interview and said, "I get it. You're against the portal, and you dislike NIL, but that's you and how you feel. Your obligation as coaches to the athletes and what best fits the success of the program. Look, I'm not into the, the dads who are Alonzo balling things, but yeah. he ain't wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. The, this, is, this is how uh, we, we've all had this, right, at work. Sometimes we've, whatever your job is, we've had stuff at work where, guess what? Well, now at work we're doing this. You may not like it. But that's the way the well, business goes now, and that's the way the business goes now. You, you, you've got to make some kind of accommodation. Nick Saban has, and I think Nick Saban is in love with a lot of the trends uh, going on, but, you know, he, he's found a way, and uh, Alabama always recruit well, but, and, and they'll lose some guys in the portal, and maybe even some pretty good players in the portal here and there. But, I, I think he is adaptable to the extent that uh, Adabo Sweeney is, is not. And, you know, I guess the, well, Nick the, Saban Dabo, is the, the new Dabo Sweeney is Kirby coach. Smart. Yeah, but, right. But, but yes, but, and, and Dabo Sweeney is not. Uh, right. You know, but Dabo Sweeney and Brian Kelly are interesting because they're control freaks, and yet whenever their teams lose, it's everybody's fault but right. theirs. You know, it's, it, it, that's, that's just how... Yeah, you can you can yell at the thunderstorm to stop, but it never yeah, works. Right. I mean, it, it's it's going to rain or it's not. You have to figure out whether you want to get an umbrella or just stand out in it. And uh, that you know, I think we saw that with Clemson. But it is obviously a very exciting time for uh, the CU Buffaloes. Exciting time for college all over. By the way, you know, I I know they flew under the radar because they played Robert Morris and they should have smashed them and they did. Air Force is probably going to win ten plus games well, this year. Sure, they're going to be favored. And at least 10 games. There's a lot to like here. The, the college scene is interesting again. The Broncos are trying to make themselves interesting. Uh, we will talk about the Broncos a little bit with our next guest, but as a former tight end for the University of Colorado Buffaloes, uh, who was there when Nebraska was still the number one rival. Yes. Without and, uh, and 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 may still in some ways be. I think they are considering. I think it what, depends on when what, you go, when you went. What, 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 because what, what over the, both 
program seemed to want, and that's regardless of conference affiliation. And I went over this. An annual matchup. Right, that the two pro, the two program directors have discussed an idea of six matching dates between next year and 2033, I believe they said. Uh, maybe look to, to bring this back, but uh, it's very interesting. I, I, I talked about some of the changes here, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this in, because the idea... Uh, Buffs fans are feeling themselves a little bit right now. And, and the idea that Nebraska, after the uh, famous 63-point win over Nebraska, Nebraska was never the same and CU did something to them. Let me let me fix that. No. Let me explain what happened there very briefly. Let's set the stage for Nebraska. At that point, the 2001 television penetration for college football was starting to be everywhere. Everywhere. Now it's not. It wasn't like it is now where you can watch every college game you want at any time because they're all on television somewhere. But they were getting to be everywhere. And that leveled the playing field for a lot of those major powers. Notre Dame had to deal with it. A few of the the major powers had to deal with the fact that you didn't just call and go, hi, I'm from this school, and the kid goes, I'm in, coach. That was a thing 25 years ago. If you were the right school and you got a phone call, you just got yeses. That stopped happening, and Nebraska started fading. Colorado, quite frankly, at the same time, had the same challenges. Then both of these teams changed their conferences, and both of them went from bigger fish in smaller ponds to being littler fish in bigger ponds. And if you are Nebraska, and you have a traditional power, and you get that, but look who you're joining. You're joining the Penn States of the world, the Ohio State. You're joining traditional powers. Now, all of a sudden, you're competing against conference rivals in recruiting, and they're visiting campuses. And I'm sorry, but I've been to Happy Valley. I've been to a lot of other places. Lincoln isn't the same. And they started getting decay there as well. I I, I want to make a point, though, about when they moved. We'll do it on the other side. Yeah. When Nebraska moved, I mean. And the condition Penn State's program was in at that time. You're right. And I was dead wrong about that, too. I thought they'd be down for at least the next recruiting cycle of four years. <laughs> they really didn't. And Bill O'Brien did a nice job, and now Franklin is there, and he's doing a good job. But they one of the top 10 teams in the country. They're CU, better than they were in Paterno's CU last and Nebraska 10 years. have found themselves in a weird path over the last, really, 20 years, more or less. And Nebraska's a better at it, but they've both struggled, and for much the same reason. We'll talk about that and what it means going forward with CBS News' Justin Adams next on My Life Sports. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.